We are starting a brand new series today, and uh, it has to do with the vision of our church. And so, um, in short, our vision is uh, real life, real love, and real purpose. But in long form, it's so that you wouldn't, that nobody, that people would not simply exist, but that they would have real life, real love, and real purpose in Jesus Christ. Real life, real love, real purpose in Jesus Christ. You know, uh, the Word of God, of course, tells us, write the vision, make it clear, make it plain. Why? So that they may hear, that hear it may run with it or may be able to run by it. In other words, how can you run if you don't know why you're running? You know, that could be a good message for a charismatic church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a different message. But... If you're running, you should know why you're running, whether in the spirit or naturally. And so um, write the vision, make it clear, make it plain. And so um, real life is really what I've kind of been alluding to the last few weeks is zoe life. Zoe is the Greek word in the New Testament for life. And if you look in the Gospel of John, John uh, talks so much about life. Even when he says eternal life, in the Greek, it's aeonius zoe. And zoe literally means uh, the life and the nature of God. The life and the nature of God. And I, we're going to go there, if we have time, in just a minute. Um, but I wanted to kind of lay the groundwork. So I... I uh, you know, had spent, uh, well, years in prayer, really, about it. <laughs> and um, uh, I just felt like we needed to have, I, I wasn't hitting the sweet spot, actually, just to stay on the same illustration. And um, I felt like I wasn't hitting the sweet spot. And so we had, you know, uh, that all may know Jesus Christ and the power of his love. But I, every time I would kind of pray about it and kind of go, I'm like, that's not right. That's not, that's not like as clear as what it needs to be. And I had prayed and asked the Lord, especially this last year, and I said, Lord, I really want something that's 21st century language that we can easily grab hold of and that we can just run with. And um, it's interesting, a couple weeks ago, after I, that, this had gotten settled in my heart, uh, we showed up, and uh, you show up here sometimes, like at uh, 7, 7.30, something like that, and there's an older guy that comes, and he stretches on the, uh, underneath the overhang right here. And um, I don't know why he stretches there, but that's where he stretches. And so uh, a few of us have talked to him and stuff, and that morning uh, my kids were there, but nobody else was here yet, and I just had in my heart, you know, you need to go find out if he knows Jesus Christ. And so I kept doing whatever I was doing. And again, I had, you need to go, you know, because I thought, I've got to do this, you know, I've got to get everything ready. And you need to go find out if he knows Jesus Christ. So uh, the second time I said, okay, okay, I'll just put that to the side, you know. And so I go and I talk to him. And I find out he is Chinese and he doesn't hardly speak English, like very broken English. And um, he is 80 years old and he's a doctor. And I said, I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard of Jesus? And he said, no. And I said, you're 80 years old, and you have never heard of Jesus Christ. And he said, no. 
no, in broken, I'm saying it clearly, but he, he was broken. No, no, you know. And um, so I, I start telling him the gospel message and, uh, you know, that there is life that's more than what you experience without Jesus Christ. There is like an authentic, a real life. And so afterwards, and um, we still had some communication issues, so I'm waiting to see him so I can have some Chinese translation stuff for him because I didn't have anything with me at the time and I didn't think to pull it up on my phone. And um, so anyhow, we sold a good seed, and he'll be back, I'm pretty sure, And because uh, he stretches there quite often. He lives just uh, five miles away, but he walks here, walks an hour here, stretches, and then walks back for exercise. And um, But I walked away, and that afternoon I was talking to my wife, and I said, Melody, I said, uh, it's real interesting. I didn't think about it. I said, but do you know how easy like the vision made it to witness? Because if you understand that there's kind of like two kinds of life. There's a natural life that you could live and you could pursue, and then there's a supernatural life that you could live and you could pursue. One of them is fulfilling only in the gratification of the flesh and of this life, right? Uh, even if you're sinning, the Bible teaches that uh, sin is satisfying for a season, but normally that season is very short-lived, um, and it's definitely only limited to this life, and it's normally limited just to that moment of time, and then all of a sudden you kind of feel guilty because on the inside you're like, man, I should not have been doing that. I, shouldn't have, I should not have really given them a piece of my mind <laughs> and, or whatever it might be. But there is life that goes beyond this world, that goes beyond your job, that goes beyond the limitations that your family would put on you, that goes beyond the limitations that the devil would try to put on you and place on you and tell you, you're locked up, you're, 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 you're finished, you're too old for that, you know, that can't happen anymore, that's for young people, or that's for the older people, you don't have enough wisdom, you haven't been around long enough, you got to have somebody that has more experience. The devil will always try to limit you, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible, but that's only with God, right? So sometimes we hear that and we say, okay, nothing's impossible. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to conquer the world by myself. We don't say by myself, but that's our actions because we're trying to do it up, what, apart from God. And so um, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to what? destroy. So if you have something in your life, in your relationships, at your job, in your body that is trying to steal, to kill, or to destroy, or is stealing, is killing, and it is destroying, that comes from the thief who we know is the devil or those that work with the devil, demonic spirits that try to influence, right? The devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, so if something is trying to steal from you, trying to kill or bring death in an area, you understand you can have death in your relationships. All of a sudden, words are spoken, tempers flare, and somebody says, oh, and the other one says, oh, I'm never going to talk to you again. I can't believe you'd treat me that way. That is death to that relationship. Death begun. And then it's a choice whether you're going to walk in love, the love of God. 
Natural human love is selfish. I can't believe you treated me that way. I'm better than that. I would never do that to you. That is not the love of God. The love of God actually puts aside selfish ambition. The love of God puts aside pride. The love of God humbles itself and really puts aside all of its desires, all of its wants. And the love of God says, I am going to give up what I could do for your good. That's exactly what God did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Uh, you know, a, a, a separate side thing, just a little short rabbit trail, I hope, is I've been studying meekness. And meekness is not wimpiness. We, we, meekness is having the power to do something and holding back. And so Jesus was like the meekest. Because he had all of this power, all of this glory, and Colossians tells us in order to reach you and to reach me, he put it aside, and he said, I'm going to become as mere man. He laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as a mere man, one translation says. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that? The, the God himself in the form of the Son said, I am laying aside all of my deity all of my power, all of my glory, and I'm going to become like one of you. And he became like one of us. And then he said, my whole reason for doing this, my whole mission is so that, second, second half of verse 10, I have come that they, that's you, that's me, that's not only us, that's every person in the world that has lived, that is living, or that will live, Every human being, male and female, young and old, middle age, it doesn't matter, your, 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 those natural things don't matter. I have come that they might have life or that they might have zoe or that they might have the very life that springs forth from God and the nature of God himself. That's Zoe, that's life, and that they might have it in a little measure, just a little of it. Oh, if they could take just a little. No, Jesus said, I didn't say this, it's in red in my Bible, Jesus said that they might have this life and nature from God abundantly, in abundance, overflowing, more than enough. Not lacking anything. More than enough, he came so that we would have a life not like a natural human life or a natural human existence, but a life like God has life. That is love. Because he said, I'm laying aside all this, all my privileges, all my riches, all my glory, so I can come down and I can give this to mankind because I have set my love on him. I have set my attention on him. He is my focus. He's the one I love. He's the one I want to give to. He's the one I want to experience this. I'm not satisfied to live like this alone with me and the Father, the Holy Ghost, the three in one. We can't be this way because our man, our woman, our human that we love, that we created has been uh, tricked and forced away from us and we don't want it this way anymore because that's not really living. That's actually death. The second the second the devil came on the seed, Adam and Eve uh, yielded to the devil, all of a sudden spiritual death became 
Mankind died spiritually. In other words, they were separated from God and separated from the very life of God. And Jesus said, the whole reason I came was so that you could have this same life. That's why I showed up. That's why I walked the dusty roads. That's why I came to this village and that village. That's why I came to preach was so that you would have life. I was in uh, Indiana about, I don't know, must have been in July. I was in there and I, I got a, my headlight on my car was like uh, broke. And so I went to the local, uh, I shouldn't say what, it, what local, but I went to a local store and uh, I said, hey, I need a light. And it's a very reputable uh, parts store and they gave me the wrong light. So I had to drive all the way to Indiana without a headlight on one side and uh, I think I drove that time during the day, so it wasn't quite as bad. I got little fog lights, too. So. But I went, so I went to the local Walmart, which I wouldn't expect to be the auto experts, but I went to Walmart, and they gave me the right light. <laughs> Anyhow, so I got my light, and um, uh, I think I got something else for my parents or, or, or something or other because I had to go to the... Uh, customer service area, I think I must have gone home, drove back, had to go to customer service area to exchange something or take something back. I don't even recall what that was. And this girl in the customer service area, she had this, uh, she must have had like a tank top on or something. She had a tattoo right here. And uh, I personally am, you know, anyhow, I won't say about that, but uh, <laughs> I don't have any tattoos and whatever. Anyhow, so she had this tattoo, and I don't normally like try and figure out what the picture is or whatever, but there were words on this tattoo. And so it kind of intrigued me, so I start looking at this tattoo, and I'm like, I'm like, what does that say? It said space and here, and I'm like, what is that? And so finally she turned enough that I could read the tattoo, and it said, you are not just here to take up space. And I thought, wow, now that's... A good message for a tattoo. I mean, there's lots of messages. Anyhow, not going there. And so, um, you are not just here to take up space. You are not just here to, you know, uh, what do you call it? Try and make your carbon footprint smaller because you're like destroying the world because of your existence. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The devil wants you to think that you're a problem, that you don't belong, that all you do is cause problems even by your very existence. You're destroying the planet. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. You know, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So what's he going to do? Well, he's going to plant thoughts in your head like, you know, well, you know, by doing that, you're really hurting the planet and it'd be better if you weren't here. And nobody really cares about you. And you're just a distraction to people. And nobody really uh, has you on their mind. I will tell you one thing. Believers that are sensitive to the spirit of God will lift you up in prayer and will call your name before the Lord, either in English or in tongues, if they don't even know you, overcome that. <laughs> because the spirit of God knows where you're at 
knows what you're doing, knows what's going on in your life, and he's searching to and fro for someone who will stand in the gap and someone who will make up the hedge and someone he can use to speak his will for you in the earth. Sometimes they speak it in English, sometimes they speak it in other tongues, but it's still spoken, and then things can happen because God watches his word to cause it to come to pass, to perform it. He's watching his word. As soon as you speak his word, if you can just get his word in your mouth, if you can get his word in your heart, speak it with your mouth, it'll come to pass. Jesus said, have faith in God. You think this is amazing? He cursed the fig tree, it withered, dried up from the roots. The next day, the disciples were amazed and marveling, like, what happened? Well, he said, have faith in God. In other words, one translation says, lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, lay hold on what God can do and what God has done. Don't try to do it yourself. You latch on to God and don't let go. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. And then if you don't doubt in your heart, but you don't, yeah, don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say shall come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. So why, why, why do I even say that? Well, because that's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. That's not the only reason. Because if you're going to have the life of God, the love of God, and you're going to end up with a purpose, what you're going to do, how do you get there? That's the vision. That's where, that's where we want to live. That's where we want the world to live. In real life, real love, and then have a real purpose. Well, the only way you access that is by faith. If you want to see what you can do by faith, take some time this afternoon and read Hebrews chapter 11. They subdued kingdoms by their faith. By faith, excuse me. They subdued kingdoms by faith. They worked works of righteousness by faith. How do you think you're going to work it? By working really hard? By studying really hard? By praying for five hours? Well, some stuff may be involved, but you know what? That's a result of your relationship, not a cause of it. Because I know my God, I come into his presence. Uh, Psalm, I think it's 34 or 63, says, Early will I seek you. My soul longs for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power, so as I have seen you in the sanctuary, I will lift up my hands in your name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. Praise the Lord. Real life, real love, real purpose. Okay, so what do I mean by real? Well, do you know one of my favorite passages of Scripture is in John chapter 14, verse 17. They're all favorites, okay? My wife is laughing at me. <laughs> John 14, 17, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father. In other words, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another comforter. I don't really like the King James translated it comforter. It means someone or a being that gives you boldness, that gives you stability, that gives you strength to stand. It's actually the act of turning when you would, the storm is coming against you. It's actually the act of standing up tall and strong and facing the storm. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. 
All of life's troubles, all of life's trials, all of the overwhelming emotions, all of the overwhelming circumstances that on your own you would fail and you would, you would shrink back from them. The Holy Spirit, when you let him rise up within you, he will embolden you and he will strengthen you and he will cause you to be more than a mere man. To go beyond the abilities of mankind separated from God. In other words, the world system. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world, or you could say this world system. In other words, how the world is going, what's going on. People say like, well, if God's uh, around, why is everything going so bad? Because Adam and Eve sold out to the devil. They had authority over everything on the earth, and they freely gave it up. And the devil became the god of this world, and what does he do? He steals, he kills, and he destroys. So if something is stealing, killing, and destroying, you know it's not from God, and you actually know the source, you know it's from the devil. Sometimes somebody said, well, where does sickness come from? And uh, before people started to, I think, study the word enough to realize the Bible tells us where sickness comes from, um, one minister was asked that question. They were discussing it and said, well, everybody knows that sickness comes from germs. And, and we kind of laugh at that. And uh, Lillian Yeomans tells the story. Dr. Lillian Yeomans, she was a medical doctor and then uh, uh, was healed. She, she was addicted to drugs and all kind of stuff. Anyhow, she was healed by the power of God. And then she became um, a uh, servant of the great physician of divine healing. And so she tells a story where she was in a village and ministering to people and all the people. They had this, uh, these diseases and uh, uh, they were getting sick and dying and they could try to figure out what's going on. And they, they were able to narrow it down to it's something in the water. There's something in the water. And so they go and they trace up, where, well, where's your water come from? Well, they went up into the mountains and they had this big uh, kind of like reservoir or cistern and it stored all the water. And a mama pig and like three or four little baby pigs had fallen in there and died and contaminated the water. And all the people were drinking the water. Well, once they found out the source, they could stop the plague. Well, it's the same thing. As soon as you find out the source, who is behind this? Or what being is behind this? So you can judge in your own life, is this bringing life and abundant life, real life, authentic life? Or is this just temporary worldly? Or is this coming to steal and to kill and to destroy? Right? So I'm saying, like sometimes we look and we, we want to look and see it in, the, in its final form. Well, I'm not dead yet. Well, if you have uh, bronchitis or pneumonia or a common cold, that, if that's not stopped through medical, through natural antibodies that God put in our bodies, through divine healing, that will end in death. That's uh, what they call incipient death. It means it's death in its beginning form. And if it's not stopped, it will destroy so in your marriage, in your relationships, with your children, with your friends, if you've got like uh, a issue with another individual and you have uh, something in your heart against them, in other words, you see them and you kind of, uh, you know, uh, 
or maybe you don't feel like I don't have anything against them. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five, if you have ought against any, that means ought means any little thing against anyone. Because he said after he gave you know a great command of faith and description of faith, and he said, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have any little thing against anyone. So I um I had some uh, bad experiences uh, that were trying to uh, kill a relationship, that were stealing joy from me, and uh, that were destroying, uh, uh, was it destroying, uh, what do you call it, inner peace? And so this would have been maybe like a year, year and a half ago, and so I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, my flesh does not want to, but I freely forgive them. And I did. And I went on. And then, about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I don't know. I don't think about this person. Uh, you know, I'm not around them. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw them on a video. And I wasn't like, ooh, oh, I can't stand them. But there was just, just a little of... I don't trust them. I wouldn't want to be around them. Just a little bit of animosity. And Melody was there, and I said, I said, you know, I said, I just saw them, and I realized something's not right in my heart about them. So I said, okay, Lord, I freely forgive them. I'm not, I don't want to have anything. And, and, and I did. And so now I can see them on video, and it's no problem. It's not an issue. But sometimes, you know, I went that year and a half, and I had no idea that, uh, that uh, the experience that we had together where they had, had done some things was still affecting me. I didn't know it until I saw them. And then I was like, oh, there's a little something there. <laughs> and so um, uh, I'm not going to allow any of that in me, not only because Jesus said it, but I like to stay healthy and have clear vision and hear from the Lord because those things will block up the flow. And so um, even in your relationships is something trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You may not even be in close relationship with someone, but you know they say um, walking in unforgiveness, in other words, refusing to forgive someone, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Because what's it doing to yourself? It's destroying. It's stealing. It could even kill you. You know, people die of bitterness. So, like, there's a... Sometimes people are just unsatisfied with how things are going, and they feel like if they were in charge, everything would be perfect and things would be better, and so really it's like the leadership, and they don't know what they're doing, and all of a sudden you get one person like that, and another one 
uh, gets around them and doesn't say, whoa, 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 like, like I did to my wife with that video, like, hey, I got to stop that. That's not, that's not healthy. You can't be doing that. So then they start to talk together, and uh, it can affect your life. And so I, you know, the important thing is like uh, love covers a multitude of sins. So I don't want to give like a lot of details. That's why I'm kind of talking slow. But you realize um, <laughs> this came up in my spirit this week uh, as I was meditating. And I thought, that's weird. I never I haven't thought about that. I mean, it's just real interesting. And so then it, the Lord just reminded me of it. And so there's uh, two people uh, that I knew very well. And um, both of them were whiners and complainers and kind of bitter at their workplace. And uh, one of them died at a, like around 40, 42, and the other one died at about 59. And these people loved the Lord and were born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, had everything else, quote unquote, going for them, but they allowed this root of bitterness to, to have a place in their heart. And they, they didn't give it up. Well, what happens? Did God kill them? No. Well, what's our theme scripture? <laughs> the devil has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy, or the thief to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Well, what happens? What happens to believers? Why do even believers get sick? Well, if Jesus said, uh, the whole law and commandments is filled, fulfilled in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he said, all, all, everything is fulfilled in love. And, you know, this would be like the second message if we get there, but the love of God has been shed abroad in abundance in the believer's heart. So, Jesus said, to fulfill the law, you have to love. And then he said, you don't even have to do it from yourself. In fact, you should not do it from yourself. You, from, when I say that, your flesh or your mind or your analysis or your emotions. But you should do it from your spirit because your spirit is recreated in Christ Jesus, by Zoe, with Zoe, which is the life and the nature of God. And the nature of God is love. It's a love nature. And the only way that you could be successful at walking in love, I think I should just change the word and use the Greek word, that you have to have agape. You have to agape people. Because most of the time when we say love, we're talking about phileo, which is a friendship love, or eros, which is like a sexual love. Or we're talking like, I love that iPod. I don't know what kind of love that is. That's not even love. Anyhow, that's really like. So I'm serious. In our culture, you have love is really most of the time defined as like, or it is sexual, or it is friendship. But very rarely is it agape which is what you find in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and also over in Philippians, I think it's Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, that says love is discerning. And so love is patient, love is kind, it's not self-centered, it's looking to the other person, it's not puffed up, you, you understand um, what I'm talking about. 
And so if you get out of love, what happens? Well, then you're on the devil's territory and he has permission to attack you. That's why walking in love is probably the most important thing for Christians if you want to stay healthy, that you walk in love because you stay on a territory where the devil has no access. Do you understand? The devil had no access to Adam and Eve until they submitted unto him. Right? He told them a lie and he twisted what God said and as soon as they gave into that, then he had access to them. In that day, God said, you will surely die. Well, did they fall dead? Not then, but eventually they did. And they started to experience death in life. <laughs> I think it's Daisy Osborne, T.L. Osborne's wife, a world evangelist, amazing, wonderful people up in heaven now. She has a message called, entitled, Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. You're never too dead for a resurrection. In other words, if you come in contact with the life of God, all of a sudden something has to give and it's not going to be your flesh. I mean, excuse me, it's not going to be the life of God. It's going to be your flesh. So all of a sudden you're going to live again. Life will come. So many people are actually dead while their physical body is alive. They're going through life, going through the motions. It's another Monday. It's another Tuesday. Oh, I can't wait till Friday. And then once Friday comes, if you're my personality, I'm a future thinker, so I'm like, man, it's Friday. That means in two and a half days, I'm going back on Monday. This is not me now. I'm a pastor, so it's a totally different schedule. Anyhow, (laughs) but I'm a future thinker, so as soon as I start the vacation, if it's not a long enough vacation, then my mind is mentally coming back from the vacation, and I don't enjoy the vacation. That is not abundant life. (laughs) My wife said, for you that are listening online, no, it's not. Like she has experience in that or something. But so what I'm saying is if you walk in after the flesh, the Bible says you will surely die. But if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, lust of the flesh are not just sexual desires. It's strong desires that your flesh wants to do. You know, so maybe my, one of my strong fleshly desires is to always plan ahead and never live in the moment. So let me tell you this real quick and then we'll close. And that is, we were, Melody and I had just gotten married. I don't know how long we've been married, maybe less than a year or two years or something like that. And we were going to see a, a particular uh, minister uh, that we enjoyed. And uh, we lived in Oklahoma. We were going to New Mexico. And so I brought a friend of mine along. And uh, he's a totally different personality uh, than me. And so uh, he likes, it's like a 12-hour trip or something. And so he liked to stop, I found out, like every hour and a half or two hours. Like, oh, should we eat? Oh, oh! look at that little place. Oh, let's get some coffee. Oh, now I have to go to the bathroom. And so I'm like point A in my flesh. I'm point A, point B. Point A, point B. Take me from point A to point B. So we start out, and I'm driving, and I'm trying to be a good friend, and walk in love, keep my flesh down. And so we're driving along, and then um, about an hour and a half, two hours from Tulsa, hey, uh, I'm hungry. And my wife says, I'm hungry too. And I thought, what are you doing? And they're like, we should stop and eat. Are you hungry, Tim? And I said, no, I'm not really hungry. Oh, well, we're hungry. Let's stop. 
So I thought, okay, I'm going to walk in love. It's no problem. So we stop, pull over, get a snack, and they get food, and they get coffee, and I'm kind of like, I don't know what they're doing. Let's just get back in the car. So we get back in the car. We start driving. Man, about another hour and a half, two hours down the road, I'm hungry. <laughs> Melody's like, I am too. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, we just stopped. Did you not have, you know, plus, well, I have to go to the bathroom too. I'm like, it's because you drank the coffee. So we, we, we do this till we get to, what's the name of that city? I don't even remember. Somewhere right as soon as we get to New Mexico. And of course, they're hungry and need to go to the bathroom again. And so this is probably like our fourth or fifth stop. So we stop. And by this time, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I've, I've grown a lot since then. So uh, we stop and we're at this gas station. And I think Melody is going to the bathroom, and maybe Glenn had already gone, and so they come out, or he came out, and he's standing there, and I walk up to him in this gas station, and he's got this mug pulled out, and I'm like, what are are you doing? And he said, look at that. Doesn't that look cool? And I'm like, yeah, it says the blue hole. Like, okay, are you ready to go? And he's like, no, no, this is really cool. We should go see this. And I'm like, when? Right now. And I'm like... We are supposed to be getting to Albuquerque. And, and so uh, then Melody came out, and she agreed that we should go see that. So uh, <laughs> they talked to the people at the gas station, found out where to go. And so we go over, and we pull up. And, um, and then we're like, well, how are we going to change? There's no place to change, you know, because it's a swimming hole. And supposedly, like, renowned across the United States, and I had never heard of it. And so we change separately in the car, and uh, we all change. We go, we get in the water, and, uh, you know, so we're swimming along, and I'm like, this is like a lake. Like, this is no big deal. Why would they make a cup out of it? And so I'm saying to Glenn and Melody, why do they make a cup out of it? And, you know, I can't believe, you know, people are, have make such a big deal about this blue hole. And somebody overhears us. They said, are you talking about the blue hole? And we said, yeah. And they said, this is not the blue hole. (laughs) Oh, the Lord was really helping me out. So we get out of that lake, uh, pond really, and we drive around to the blue hole, which was beautiful, crystal clear, aqua blue water, and it went down 100 feet to a cave opening in the bottom of this hole, this big blue hole, and that's where you could take, if you're a professional diver, they had a gate, and it was like padlocked off, but they would take you down, and you could open it, and you could go uh, scuba diving in underground water tunnels, whatever they call that, and so it was really cold water, and there were cliffs, but it was beautiful, and uh, so it really taught me that I need to stop and to enjoy life more often because I got a great sermon illustration. And it was, a, it was really cool. But it was uh, at the beginning of our marriage, and so I had to learn uh, really to um, put my flesh under and to walk in love. And Melody says it was so fun. And so you realize everything that you do um, is not directed by the Lord. You have a personality And sometimes your personality has more influence on how you live than what you are conscious of. And sometimes you say, Lord, why am I not experiencing your best, like your fullness of life? And that is because 
You are trying to accomplish it yourself. You're trying to do something in your own strength. And Jesus said, the whole reason I came is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then in John 17, he's praying to God. And he said, oh, Father, you have given me life. My life came from you, and that's the Greek word zoe. You have given me zoe, and my zoe came from you. And now I pray for these that will come after. I pray, let me turn there, sorry. Uh, Verse 2, 17, 2. And as you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give zoe, or life, To as many as you have given him, and verse 3, listen to this, and this is life, or this is zoe, or this is the life and the nature of God, or this is how you're going to have life the way God has life, the way you're going to exist with an eternal life that Go so far beyond this limited earth sphere that's a mist, that's a vapor that appears for a while and then is gone. Um, And this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Zoe, knowing God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this is Zoe, and in the, uh, let me finish with this real quick. And in the spring, I was, uh, you know, I pray quite a bit. Anyhow, in one of my prayer times, I was praying, and I got over, uh, really kind of far over into the in, in praying. And so when I'm praying, all of a sudden, uh, the best way I could describe it is I felt like God is this big balloon, and I'm this little balloon. I called it a balloon within a balloon. And the more I prayed, the more my little balloon began to expand and to fill. Almost like Jude says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, till all of a sudden my inner balloon was the same size as God's outer balloon, and I felt like, oh my, this is the fullest life I have ever experienced. And all of a sudden, like the things of the earth begin to fade away and to get dim, and the importance of them just diminished so that all of a sudden just the earthly things became insignificant finances, abundance of or lack of, uh, your physical body's condition, all of these things that Jesus paid for that the life and nature of God will affect if you receive it appropriately, will affect your finances, will affect your body, but all of a sudden, the things of earth grew strangely dim. In the light of his life, And that's what Jesus said. This is life to know him. How do you know him? Through Jesus Christ. I mean, the name of our church is Anchor Church. That comes from Hebrews 4.19, which is Christ, the, the, the anchor for your soul that enters into within the veil into the very presence of God. So the way that you actually experience fullness of life is by knowing God, not just becoming born again, but by knowing him, becoming intimate with him, walking with him, talking with him, letting him talk with you. And that comes through the word, and there's a lot more things we could say about it, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to say it right now. 
So stand with me if you would, and we'll pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm not talking in your head, but I'm talking in your heart. If in your heart you have never received Jesus Christ, you have never accepted him, there is life that you don't know anything about. I can tell you from experience, you, you, you could be just living, just existing. You're not here just to take up space, but God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. He's thinking about you. When Jesus was on the cross, he had you on his mind. He was doing it for you. If you were the only one, he still would do it for you. He sacrificed himself. He shed his blood for you. And you, right now, right here, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And in an instant of time, you'll be changed and you'll have life that only comes from God, that only springs from God. If that's you this morning, lift up your hands. I would love to pray with you and for you and see you live life without limits that goes beyond all of the natural world and the natural things. If you're listening online, we would love to pray with you and we'd love to pray for you. Jesus Christ is Lord and he loves you and he wants to be part of your life. He wants to be your Lord so that you can have his life. Email us at info at anchordc.org and we'd love to pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, that he is the spirit of reality, that he takes all of your stuff and makes it real to us, that he takes Jesus Christ and makes him real to us, that he takes you and makes you real to us. Thank you for the spirit, your spirit. Thank you that he is with us right now, that he's leading us and he's guiding us and he's opening up to us your kingdom, and your very best. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you would give us light, that you would give us understanding, Father, of your word and of your life and its effect within us and its effect on the world around us. Father, thank you for setting us free from the chains of the devil, from the cap the devil would try to put on us, from the threshold that we try to put on ourselves. We thank you for complete freedom in Jesus Christ. Today is your day. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another moment. If the Spirit of God is calling you, then you come. You come and let the Holy Spirit have His way. In Jesus' name.